This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host here for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio and on Instagram Live. We're here for you, we're here for your pets. And uh, simple, get a hold of me. Uh, with Jeff, we'd love you to join me here. Very easy to do. 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Better yet, you can join us here live on Zoom. All you need to do is go to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Shows, scroll down to Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff, and there's a Zoom link there. You can join me on the link. Just click on the link. Have your pet with you. It's kind of telemedicine at its finest. And uh, we can sit and talk and whatever questions you might have about your pet. Now is the time. Same goes for you here on Instagram Live. So as you know, I like to peruse what's going on in the veterinary world and have some interesting stories. Interesting, the first two were about the same topic. So you know it's getting a lot of, a lot of attention and unfortunately a lot of heat. And what is it? It's CBD and pets. That's right. So uh, as I said, more about CBD. Rhode Island passed a bill or was passing a bill that would allow medical-grade marijuana to be prescribed for pets. And of course, the veterinarians are a little bit upset about it because the next story is beware of CBD pets. It's like, well, here's one state that's that said, okay, yeah, sure, go ahead. And everyone else saying, whoa, 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 not so fast. So here's the issue. The issue is, you know, and this is the veterinarians are being say, it's, it's too early. There's just too much that we don't know. So things like we don't have dosage guidelines where there's no regulation yet. A lot of products have unsafe additives. So the issue is like, look, I'm a big fan and I've seen cases where it's helped tremendously. The problem is what we know now, as far as CBD, even if it's pure CBD, industrial hemp CBD, there's still a lot we don't know. We don't know how to recommend for you as the pet parents, how to dose it. And now if it's going to be from marijuana and there is runs the risk of other additives, like even some THC, it gets very complicated. So until there's more regulation, until there's more guidance, more guidelines, et cetera, and if we're going to be using it for pets, maybe there should be products just for pets that have dosing on it for pets, for their weight, because things are differently in the human side. And that's the problem. So that just so you know, it's not a slam dunk. Speak to your veterinarian. I am a fan. I think that there are benefits, but we still need to be very, very cautious. A lot of people are hiking. It's great weather. We love it. Snakes. Do you go near areas where there are snakes? Because if you do, here's some guidelines, because it is really, really concerning. And there are so many issues. So a lot of problems associated with snake bites. And here's some things you have to know. First of all, stay calm. What venom is going to pass through the body more quickly is when there's a lot of angst and activity. So it's very important to stay really, really calm. Secondly, we don't suck out the venom. We don't put on tourniquets. We don't put on ice packs. Why? Because what happens there is that when we do that, it holds the venom in one area instead of circulating it. So then it concentrates it. That's why we don't do tourniquets. And the sucking it, that's you know, old Westerns, uh, and a lot of jokes because of that. But no, we don't suck out the venom. What you're looking for, basically, uh, you're going to see, first of all, some swelling around the area, obviously pain, you might have trouble swallowing, excess salivation. So, And the tissue area can be pretty uh, friable. It can be some breathing problems. The dog might be panting. So your goal is to uh, keep the pet calm. If you have to carry, 
But here's what I recommend. Because we're in snake season right now, whatever you do, wherever you go, wherever you hike, make sure you know the closest emergency facility and not just emergency facility, but one that carries anti-venom. That's the key. The key is going to be anti-venom. Now, even if your pets have been vaccinated with the rattlesnake vaccine, and if you do hiking, I do recommend it. We give it. It don't think, oh, it's okay. He's protected. He had the vaccine. No, no, that vaccine is going to buy you time. The treatment of choice is going to be the anti-venin. And you have to make sure that you know which facilities nearby carry it, have it, and they have it in stock. So you should always check, double check, triple check. Even if you have to call them once a week, then you have to know these things. So anyway, just keep that in mind. All right, next up. This is interesting. Check this out. We think about cats like this, they can do this, but dogs, not as much. So let me uh, share this with you. An eight-month-old, there was a shepherd Akita Cross, escapes from his yard in Brooklyn, New York. He's seen swimming in the East River, okay? Then swims over the Holland Tunnel, over the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, and ends up on the New Jersey side and ends up getting stuck in a parking lot. And that's where he's found. And um, he was a little tattered and torn a little bit, taken to a local vet for treatment. Unfortunately, had no ID. So um, that brings the question, how do they know? I think someone saw it in Brooklyn and that's how they knew. But anyway, maybe the owners actually set a report. But what was I found surprising about this particular story is that they're saying it now it's ready for adoption. But wait a second, if you knew where it came from, then why why is it over unless the owner said you know what keep the damn dog it's the fifth time he's escaped i don't want him anymore we don't know the story didn't go into that but uh, anyway i think that dog is a survivor that's for darn sure eight months old that's kind of crazy so uh anyway just know that dogs are pretty resourceful when they need to be this one's another seasonal kind of uh, warning we talked about rattlesnakes and this is another one and this is probably potentially just as deadly as rattlesnakes and what it is, it is, it's blue-green algae blooms. So the story is they're harmful, called HABs, harmful algae blooms. And uh, so basically, these algaes are found both in marine environments and freshwater, and they're caused by a variety of toxic-producing blue-green algae. And they're called, the toxin is called cyanobacteria. Deadly, deadly. There have been stories of dogs swimming in these ponds that has the algae, and they get sick within 15 minutes and dead within 30. I mean, it's very, very toxic. It's what they call a eukaryotic mycoalgae. So it's very, very important. If you are hiking, if you are, you know, you go into the mountains and you see a lot of algae on top of the water, do not, I repeat, do not let your dogs swim in that water. And you be careful also not to swim. I mean, the difference is you're not going to drink the water like they do, but even still, it's potentially, it's highly toxic, very, very dangerous. So you need to be very, very cautious when you are swimming, when you see these ponds, lakes, streams, etc. So, you know, if I were you, I would not take any chances. There was a story out a couple of years ago that in a particular park, and I forget the state, within, uh, I don't know, they say uh, within a day, there were like five or seven dogs that were killed because of the blue-green algae. So um, it is something to be concerned about, something to worry about, and you really need to be careful out there. Next up, <laughs> this is, speaking of dogs, and uh, some dogs are escaping and saving their own hides. Here's another story about dogs. Check this statistic. 5,400, more than 5,400 U.S. Postal Service employees were either nipped, bitten, or attacked by a dog just last year alone. Check that out. How are your dogs when that male guy comes by, right? Or male woman? I mean, come on. It's crazy. 
So USPS is putting out a warning to please, please, please keep your dogs at least, keep them away. Don't let them escape from a yard when the mail carrier is delivering your mail. And they actually, they warn and tell the mail carriers, if you are in an area and you see dogs running loose, you do not have to deliver the mail. So when if you don't get your mail for a number of days, you might want to look around your neighborhood and see which dogs have access to getting out. Because I know in my neighborhood, it happened once. There was a dog. It was a, a, a dog running loose. And they just said, I'm not going down that block. So it's crazy. Now, I have five dogs. And they're all well confined. But they bark like crazy. And I tell you the truth, two of them, maybe even three of them, I would trust as far as I could throw them. Uh, I mean, one of them is little. I mean, my, my French, he's a, a big talker. I don't think he, but he barks like crazy. My big Labrador, I don't trust him for sure. And then one of my terriers goes and he's a little nipper and he'll go after um, legs. So anyway, we got to be careful. So anyway, I want to break at this point. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about a heartworm disease and then talk about something that is still happening. And you know, now every now and again, I get to sit on my soapbox because this is my show. I get to talk about anything I want. I can give you my opinion about anything. Sometimes you may like it, sometimes you may not, but it's mine. So I'm just letting you, you're sharing my thoughts with you. But this particular story really disturbed me. And um, so we're going to share it. So hopefully I can change your minds about certain things that you may be doing now. So anyway, don't go away. We'll be right back after these short messages. For those of you on Instagram Live, I'm going to mute myself on the show and we can talk for a minute. Be right back. Hey, everyone. Michelle Fern here. You know, dogs are part of our family. They're just our fur babes. And we want them to feel comfortable and cozy and above all, make sure they're safe and protected. And that's how Diggs feels, too. That's Diggs with two Gs. They're dedicated to improving the safety, happiness, health of your pets. And they have great, smart, stylish, super easy to use products. I love the Diggs Revel Collapsible Dog Crate. And it's not just a crate that you need when you're crate training your pooch. This crate is fabulous for your older dog. Dogs love having a little area they can go in and nest that's just their own. It's wonderful for traveling. If you're visiting people this summer and you're taking your pooch, take the Revel with you. It's a great way to set up a little space for your dog inside the area that you're staying in where they feel comfortable and safe. And guess what? The Revel Collapsible Dog Crate is a cinch to use. It's so convenient. You can literally raise it and collapse it with one hand. Very easy to clean and no injuries to paws or jaws. And if you're traveling in the air this summer, make sure you check out Dig's five-star passenger travel carrier. It's small enough to fit right under your airline seat and plenty of space for your pooch. Make your pets more comfortable with Dig's wonderful products. Go to digs.pet and use promo code PETLIFE15. That's D-I-G-G-S dot pet with promo code PETLIFE15 to get 15% off your entire order. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back here live. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. Here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff on Pet Life Radio. 
And I'm also here doing a simulcast on my Instagram, Instagram Live, and I had a chance to talk to uh, some of my, my Instagram followers. And, um, you know, this is the time of year when it gets warm like this, there are a lot of subjects that are so appropriate. And here's another one. It's called heartworm. And Deb, one of my very dear clients moved to Nashville. Definitely you need it there because a heartworm or mosquitoes and, um, uh, with mosquitoes come heartworm. So this is one of those diseases that potentially is deadly, very, very, very expensive to treat. And guess what? Super easy and cheap to prevent. All you need is a monthly heartworm preventative. There's also a, a couple of shots. One I think is called ProHeart 6, one's ProHeart 12. One shot can give you either six or 12 months protection. I mean, that's how easy it is. Now, some of the new axosazoline flea and tick products like Semperica has Semperica Trio, Cordelio has Cordelio Plus, where it's fleas, ticks, and heartworm. So anyway, it's so easy to treat, and that's why it's very, very important. Oh, I got a little text here. Ah, okay. And this is from Lily. So good morning. What are the spaying recommendations for smaller dog? It's a girl, female, obviously, if it's a spaying miniature poodle. All right. Very good question. And so as you know, and I've been talking about this for a long time now, um, with certainly the big dogs, we are pushing spaying and neutering out at least a year, if not a little longer for the big males. Females, you still want to get them before that second heat. Very important because the breast cancer risk reduction disappears after the second heat. So you still get a lot of benefit to spaying, letting them have one heat and spaying before the second heat. So uh, for, you know, second heat's usually 14 some odd months. I say for a female, go 12. Now what about a small breed? So there are still other hormonal issues that we see in older females, and there may be some link. It's not really super proven yet, but it's empirically proven that dogs that have problems with urinary incontinence as kind of late middle age, they're not old, old yet, then that's just an old age thing. But if it's late middle age, my recommendation, unless there's a really good reason why you feel you must, must spay them early, I would wait at least six months. Why six months? Well, because that's before the first heat. And small breeds are notorious for having retained deciduous teeth. Those are baby teeth that didn't fall out on time. The adult tooth comes in, doesn't push the baby out of the way, and we get double teeth. And you have to pull the babies. Well, obviously, that requires anesthesia. Well, if you do early spay that they used to promote, which I'm totally against, unless maybe some situations where it's shelters, people aren't coming back, they're getting the free voucher, but they're not coming back anyway, they're paying in advance, but they don't care, then I get it. I get it in that situation. But in home dogs, I am very much against it. So events really early, like four months spay. So at least let's wait for the adult teeth to come in because then you'll know by the time you spay at six months, which baby teeth have not yet fallen out and need to be extracted. The worst thing is if you spay earlier than that, all right, you do anesthesia, you do the surgery, and then a month later, you find out we got four deciduous baby teeth. Now you got to knock them out again. Why would you want to do that? It makes no sense. And you know it's very dangerous. So my recommendation, the earliest would be six months for any dog. If you can wait, I would let them have one heat. There's no downside to one heat and spay them before their second heat. So if you wait till about a year of age, you should be safe. So Lily, thank you so much for uh, asking the question. I hope that answers it for you. If you have any more questions, please feel free to reach out to me, drjeff at petliferadio.com, Jeff at petliferadio, and uh, I will be happy to speak with you. Here's one. How can I get my girl, my female English bulldog to stop barking so much? Well, one thing you don't want to do is remove the vocal cords. Now, I mean, you know, dogs bark because they're protecting you. It's, it's one of those things where you don't mind if it's a bark or two. That's their job. 
They love you. They're warning you. They're protecting their home. When it persists and persists and persists, what you could do, one thing that, that yeah, I don't like bark, collar, bark collars. If there's any bark collar I, will, I can live with, it's a citronella. It's not harmful. It's endorsed by all the humane groups. Uh, basically, it's a spray. Uh, when they bark, where the thing, this thing comes up and sprays them, citronella, it hits all the senses. First of all, they feel it hitting their chin. They smell it. They taste it. They hate the taste. All right. And they see the mist and they also hear the mist. It gets everything. And it is somewhat effective with certain dogs. Certainly worth a try. The good old-fashioned penny can works great. I've had dogs that were so trained to a penny can, basically an empty can, soda can, put a couple of pennies, maybe a nickel in it, and you shake it loudly. Some behaviorists recommend, and I say with caution, with extreme caution, you throw it not at them, but near them initially. Then they hear the noise, they see this thing flying, and that is the the part that scares them. Then the operant conditioning part takes over where you no longer have to throw it. All you have to do is get the sound because they start basically associating that sound with this can coming right by them, making a lot of noise, bouncing off of a wall somewhere, and they're freaked out. Then once you get that reaction from them, you no longer have to throw it at all. Just pick it up and shake it. If done properly, it seems to work well. Uh, again, I would speak to, with a trainer. But once again, do not, I repeat, do not throw the can at the dog, period. And then those are it. I mean, if you have to go more than that, I would recommend en enlisting a, a good trainer or behaviorist because most of the other things that might require, may require medication, might require other types of collars that I am not fond of. But in some cases, if used properly under the guidance or under a certified trainer, they, they could be effective. And obviously I'm talking about the I hate to call them shock collars, but it's not shock, but it gives them a little electrical stimulus. It's really not that. You know, guys have done this before. You've taken, I know you've done it. And that is when you want to test that nine volt battery, what do you do? Put it your tongue. That's kind of what it is. I mean, it doesn't hurt. We do it willingly. <laughs> so we're dumb enough to do it. It might work on them too, but I am not a fan. And I'm not a fan for people. Don't buy anything online and do it yourself. Absolutely not potentially dangerous, and you can make things worse and make behavior problems even worse and even bring on some aggression within your dogs. You do not want to do that. All right. So my subject, I hope that answers your question. Why does my dog do backward sneezing? We call it reverse sneezing. <laughs> they just do it. They do it. It's, it's a sneezing. You can try like a little Benadryl or something, a milligram per pound. It's not harmful. Some dogs do it more than others. It is just reverse sneezing. So um, why they do it? I don't know. They probably get something up their nose. We, you know, we go and then we sneeze out. <laughs> they sneeze in and then breathe out. So um, that's why they call it a reverse sneeze. It's reverse. So anyway, okay. So again, this is my opinion. Agree or disagree. Here's my bold statement. If you are going to a veterinarian, I don't care who or where, that is still not letting you in the office, making you wait in a car, you are going to the wrong veterinarian. I felt this way during the heat of COVID because there are ways around it with masks. We did one-way traffic going through the office. We had a back door, came in the front, went out the back. We did the payment of the car. There were ways around it. One of the most important things in doing any kind of diagnostic with an animal is the history. There's got to be that back and forth dialogue. Now, I had a few clients that for their own personal reasons didn't want to come in. So we used AirVet, my telemedicine platform, and we engaged that way. That gauging on air wet is no different than what you guys and I are doing right now. Again, if I let you in, we can be having a conversation. Think of a FaceTime. 
We're having a live conversation and you're watching me, you're seeing me examine your dog. I'm pointing things out to you real time. You're in the car. So that would be okay. It's not as good. I liked it the in-person, but it's okay. But for those hospitals that are still doing curbside, not using telemedicine, and having some nurse technician running back and forth, they are, first of all, they're robbing you blind. Because I guarantee if there was a real conversation, real time, not some tech running back and forth, they can discuss what a treatment plan might be and what the, the pros and cons, the advantages and disadvantages. And you can say, you know what? No, I don't want to do that test now. First, let's do, doc, which test would be the most important to do right now? And then he or she tells you, and you, say, you know what? Let's start there. The dog is not in dire straits. Look at him. Oh, you can't look at him. You can't feel him because you're doing this curbside. It's terrible. And you can't point things out to the doctor. You then point it out to a tech. Tech runs inside. The dog's inside, tries to find what you just told the tech where it was. It is so inefficient. You're spending way more time than you should. And it is not a thorough way to get a history, which is, as I said, one of the most important things, the physical exam and the history. And a client of mine called me in tears recently this past week, went to a hospital that I've in the past have referred to. Actually, it was started by one of my former uh, associates who is a fantastic doc. Unfortunately, she doesn't practice much anymore. And they're still doing curbside. They wouldn't let her in. Then they went to the nearby emergency facility. Check this out. An emergency specialty facility, All right? There was no doctor there. I'm sorry, the doctor was saying, the doctor, you have an emergency specialty facility and you only have one doctor on? I mean, what is going on here? So I'm bold enough to say there is no excuse. I talked to one of my classmates from vet school, one of my best friends, actually, and they were doing real strict, no coming in curbside. And you know what he said to me? He goes, Jeff, he goes, I kind of like it because I hate dealing with the clients. Well, guys, if your doctor isn't letting you in, that should tell you something right there. They're not letting you in now, nowadays, because they don't want you in. And you have to ask yourself, wait, why would they want me in? And when you think about the possible answers, there are not many of them are good. It's not COVID anymore. Everything is public. Everything is open. You go to restaurants, right? You're going to public places. You're passing people all the time, right? Are there? You're not wearing masks. You're not wearing, you're not, they're not saying, oh, no, no, you can't come near me. I still laugh when I see someone driving in the car with a mask on all by themselves. So, but who knows what's going on in their lives? You know, some people are extra, extra cautious. I went ahead about three weeks ago. I've been exposed. I had COVID early on. And I said, I feel great. I'm not getting sick. I'm not getting another vaccine. I'm not getting another booster. I've heard too many horror stories. I know people that died probably from complications after a booster, both healthy. So I'm not going there. So I, a friend of mine is a physician. He wrote me a, a script to go to a, a lab to get my antibody tighter. It's an IG antibody. The reference range is less than one. You do not want to be less than one. If you're less than one, you probably need to get a booster. You need a shot. You need protection. I was greater than 100. That big red, greater than 100. It stops at 100. I could have been 101. I could have been 2000, greater than 100. So I'm not getting another shot. So the whole idea is for doctors still to be doing that is basically take it personally. If you're not taking personally, I'm telling you right now, take it personally, or they're lazy, something is going on, but you do not need to. You should be in an office with your doctor. I can't tell you how many clients, new clients come into my office. First of all, with a mask, they come in, they're being dental. I'm not wearing a mask. And they say, oh, I don't have to wear this mask. And they just so happily take the mask off their face. And then I said, so what, how'd you hear about us? Well, we heard that you let people in. What? Still now? That's how many doctors are not letting people in. It is disgusting in my book. And therefore, I'm telling you, if your vet is not letting you in the door, 
You really need to find another vet. You're missing out. Your pet is missing out. And you're losing the ability to really evaluate and make a decision along real time with your doctor about what needs to be done. And that's why I'm seeing so many cases where tests were done and they go, I don't know. I, I couldn't say anything. They just told me that's what they needed to do. I was in the car. Well, no, that test was not necessary now. And that test was not necessary now. And so all they're doing is taking advantage of you. Yes, bold statement. If anyone wants to battle me, if you want to get a doctor on who wants to come live with me and argue this point, please send them my way because I'm telling you, it is unnecessary now and the animals and your pocketbook are being affected by it. Anyway, if that's not a mouthful, I don't know what it is. But anyway, if it's meant to stir some things up, that's exactly my point. That's exactly what I wanted to do. So uh, anyway, if you want to have a real doctor, ask, call when you call. You want to see, I want to see this doctor let you in. Yes, you can sit with a doctor. Do I need a mask? The mask, you know, I can live with or without it. But to force you to stay in a car now, unacceptable. So I am letting people in the office. I am sitting and chatting with them. You can watch me literally real time in the same room, examine your dog, and we get to have a conversation and I can take a thorough history based on you sitting right there in front of me. That's the way it should be. Anyway, have a great week, everybody. If there are any questions you have, uh, anything you want to talk about, you can always reach me here at Pet Life Radio, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. On Instagram, you just send me a direct message. I'll be happy to answer. And um, other than that, Mark, we're on next week, right? We're on next week. I'll be here next week. So uh, during the week, if you have anything you want to talk about, just please let me know. I love you know getting these instant messages. I love some questions here on Instagram. And then I have to run because I am going shooting at my office today. I should say filming. I'm not shooting. I am filming something for uh, and so, so from, uh, my telemedicine for AirVet. Otherwise, I would love to stay a little longer. All right. Anyway, we will um, you see you next week. I love doing this. And hopefully, if you have any questions, I'm, use me, if nothing else, as a voice of reason, especially when you're faced with something where you have a lot of choices. You just don't know what to do. I'd be happy to help. That's why I'm here. All right. See you next week. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.